This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, out along with Jonathan Von Tobel as we get ready for the NBA postseason. And JVT, this is your passion, but what you know, we, we know there's a big, big uh, difference between regular season play and postseason play. Um, mm. What would you do if you're Adam Silver to try and, uh, if you could, fix some of this load management or some of, this, uh, some of the things that are happening in the regular season? Yeah, I think one of the things at the top of my list, Jimmy, would actually be to take a little bit more of a baseball format, right? So the NBA has started to implement more of these series, uh, these you know two-game sets in Miami, two-game sets in Memphis. I think that you're yes. starting to see a little bit more of those, and I think you should see a lot more of those, right? First off, they're fun. They're entertaining. It is cool to see teams play each other you know, consecutively, whether it be back-to-back nights or with the nine-up in between, and that also lessens the impact in terms of travel, right? There's not a, a team getting on a plane and then going off into another destination to play in 24 hours even if they play again in 24 hours you're just going back to the hotel sleep and rest and get right back at it the next day so I I think adjusting the schedule so that you have these teams playing on the same court consecutively would be I think a very very good way to do it I also think they've taken certain steps to kind of get the regular season product better Uh, implementing the play-in has actually been a success not a lot of people thought it was going to be I don't know if you remember LeBron James uh, saying that when it was implemented in the bubble season that that person should be fired for coming up with the idea and yet it has helped him get into the postseason now. Uh, You would think multiple times if they're going to get in this year. So I think that has really helped out a lot. And I also think, too, we can talk about this, and this is a big monetary step, but cutting into the schedule would help quite a bit, right? He's cutting this down to even like 68 games, 72 games, if you will, would really take the impact off of it and allow you to lighten up the schedule quite a bit, get rid of some of these back-to-backs. I think those are mainly the, the things that I would take um, take into consideration if I was Adam Silver for a day. But I think my first one, which has been, if you read some studies, that's been like kind of the big one thrown out there. More of these two-game sets with these teams playing each other on the same court would really go a long way, I think, to lessen the impact of back-to-backs and teams resting players. All right, uh, handicapping approach as the postseason. What do you devalue that happened in the regular season, and what do you value as because we know it's a completely different game? It is, and it's it's more matchup based, Jimmy, than it is anything else, right? You know, ratings. I don't want to say they go out the window, but you're really going back and watching film and seeing how teams handle certain defensive matchups, how they handle certain rotations, and what they're doing. Because you know, you can look at regular season box scores, but they don't tell you really the story. And you can go for an example of like Oklahoma City and New Orleans in a play-in game. Well, guess what? Brendan Ingram only played in one of those four games that they played in the regular season, so those games don't mean anything. So I think when you're 
you're looking at it, you're trying to find games in which the personnel were all available and seeing how those matched up. But really it is. It's about the basketball X's and O's and how these teams are going to handle certain matchups, what they're going to do with their player personnel. And I'm also really big in terms of sample size, right? You know, I like to bet win totals. That night to night in the NBA is quite the grind and it presents quite the challenge because of all the injury stuff that we're talking about, resting players at the beginning. Where in series, you know, I can feel confident over the course of a best of seven that the numbers I see are going to play out over the course of that series. Seven games uh, is still a very small sample size, but you still have a higher probability of the numbers that you see in front of you playing out. So I like to play series prices quite a bit, whether it's game spreads, whether it's just the series price itself. I think you get a really good read on how some of these series are going to play out because you have those larger sample sizes of data. But I would say that I'd say matchup based is very important deal. Actually watching these games and seeing how they match up with one another and also betting into these series and using larger sample sizes as your friend and as a weapon in terms of betting some of these series because it really does help you out when you get more games and more possessions. Okay, what uh, what future tickets are you holding that you uh, have some value on and which, uh, which uh, future tickets have you basically just ri- uh, ripped up? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, some of the awards futures are definitely ripped up, but I think in terms of the teams that are selective and whatnot, I've I've got a lot. I've got a couple of positions that I really do like. I've got the Philadelphia 76ers at twenty four to one to win the NBA Finals, and I'll say this too. And th- this is a good point to make now that the season's over. But I would stress this to any one of your listeners, Jimmy, as we enter next year to remember this. I I never enter an NBA season with a NBA Finals ticket in hand because it is such a long year that you can find ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys for a lot of these squads. And so I bet Philadelphia way back in November, remember when Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey were all missing time because you knew at some point they were going to come back, but the market freaked out and put them all the way down to 24 to 1. Here they are, third team in the East and arguably maybe the fourth, fifth best team in the NBA. So I bet them. I also have the Warriors at 9 to 1 to win the Western Conference. That was again in the middle of the season where they are at the very bottom of what was going on with them in terms of their road issues, which are still there. But also it seemed that the market was kind of freaking out a little bit too much and that Golden State would, to some extent, right the ship and those odds would get cut. And sure enough, they are. They're a range of 5-1 to one to win the Western Conference. And I've also got the uh, Los Angeles Clippers at, at about 14-1. to one. I've got a couple of tickets on them at different prices. It equates to about 14-1 to one to win the NBA Finals. And that was obviously well before Paul George got injured. We could talk about it, I know, in, the, in a little bit. I think the Clippers are a little bit more live than the market would indicate against Phoenix, but those are the, the big ones that I think are still alive. And unless you want me to get into my $20 bet on the Oklahoma City Thunder at 500 to 1 to win the NBA <laughs> Finals, uh, that, that's all I really got so far. So, Golden State, the, the road issues you say are still there. Um, and the big game re- just that I think of last year is okay, they got to go to Memphis and boom, they take care of them easily in game one. And you know, and the you know home court disadvantage is gone. Is gone. You don't think they are capable of sort of, for lack of a better uh, a term, uh, kind of flipping that switch? Okay, it's money time again with all of these guys who had just been part of a championship a year ago. You know, I, I think it's 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 certainly possible to an extent, right? But I, I think you know one of the things in my big series preview that I that I wrote earlier this week, which was. You know, the the road issues for Golden State, Jimmy, weren't just like bright lights and loud noises. If you actually dove into what was wrong with them on the road, their defense stunk when they were away from home. If you look at it from a uh, a uh, defensive rating standpoint, 119.8 points per 100 possessions and non-garbage time allowed, according to Cleaning the Glass. That's a road defensive rating, Jimmy, that's better than only two teams, San Antonio and Houston. That's it. Mm. So this is a team that went on the road and just played terrible defense, and their 
were not, at least statistically, on the same level defensively as those old Warriors teams, and even the one that won the championship last year. It's one of the biggest um, things that I think is misconstrued about the Warriors. They're a very good offensive team, but the thing that won them championships was the way that they defended, and that really hasn't been there with the same consistency. You also have the question mark of what Andrew Wiggins is going to be when he comes back and if he comes back. There are some reports out of Golden State that think that he's going to be available right when game one comes around this weekend. The question, though, is, okay, if he is available, is there a minutes restriction? Steve Kerr has already come out and said that he doesn't feel morally he should be throwing Andrew Wiggins out there in the middle of a playoff series. So you would assume that there's going to be some sort of restriction to what Andrew Wiggins can do. So while I I think that at some point the Warriors are going to start to look a little bit more like the team that won the championship last year, I do think the market is, especially when you talk about the series price against Sacramento, I think they are like wiping away the struggles on the road a little too much. There's a middle ground, right? There's a middle ground in terms of it's something or it's nothing. And I'm in the middle there because there is something to a 41-game sample size in which you lost 30 games, played the third-worst defense in those games, and now you're in the postseason. I think that has to be something that's accounted for, that the market really isn't doing that. All right, Dad, let's go to that series, and it starts on Saturday. And uh, Sacramento, the 3C, Golden State, the 6. Individual game line is Sacramento 1 and 238. But you're looking at these series, and not so much the price where Golden State's a, a significant favorite, but you think it's going to go a little deeper than maybe some people think. Yeah, these are the best ways. I love to attack series in different ways, right? You can just bet a winner if you want. But now that betting has really started to expand, there's different ways to bet these series. And so I'm somebody that comes into this, Jimmy, thinking like, all right, the the market opening as high as it did for the Golden State Warriors to win this series, I think is mispriced. So I can go and bet the Sacramento Kings to win the series outright, which I think they can win this series, but you can attack it in different ways. And one of the ways that I decided to do it was to bet this series over its total gains. You can look at five and a half, shaded to the over at about a minus 165, price or so and and that is one where I think this is going to be a competitive series I've already mentioned the fact that the Warriors struggled when it comes to their defense especially when it comes to playing on the road well guess what the Sacramento Kings just happened to end the regular season as the best offense in the NBA in non-garbage time so I think when you're talking about playing on the road here it's going to be a little bit of an issue if you're going to struggle defensively against the best offense in the NBA and when you talk about Sacramento and their ability and what they can do They're obviously so very guard-driven, but they also have DeMontis Sabonis and Kevin Herter and attacking what Golden State can do. Like, theoretically, Golden State has the personnel to match up with Sacramento. If you go back and watch some of their games, they put, uh, they hid Steph Curry on Keegan Murray, their young rookie over there in Sacramento, just a catch-and-shoot threat. Not really going to bust Curry down on the dribble or post him up and make him pay for it. They put Draymond Green on De'Aaron Fox, right? Their best defensive player. They put Klay Thompson on Harrison Barnes and or any other, like Kevin Herter, whoever that second option is second in terms of uh, the shooting guard. But when you start to look at the other pieces, that's where you start to have some trouble with Golden State, especially if Wiggins is not going to be available. You know, the Warriors actually had to bust out the zone quite a bit against the Sacramento Kings in their regular season series with Sacramento. So I think ultimately it just comes down to, Jimmy, the market is mispriced. And so how I'm going to attack that is saying this series is going to be much more competitive than the market is telling us. And I think that at about minus 160 to get six or more games in this series is something that is a little cheap in that regard. So that's the way I went in this series. I like that angle too, JVT, because in the past we've seen this Golden State team, when they have a lead too, they will kind of take a game off, uh, so to speak. Uh, And and so that will lend itself to at least uh, get to six games uh, as well. All right, let's stay in the West. And this one starts on Sunday, but the uh, Phoenix Clippers and – 
Well, the Clippers were such a big name uh, preseason and early, but uh, the injuries and, well, you, you know what's happening there. Phoenix is a, a minus $5 series price in this one. Uh, the Clippers, uh, again, you're talking about uh, uh, two-and-a-half-point spread in, in the uh, in the series, the amount of games as well. So kind of went 4-1 uh, to beat the spread if you're Phoenix. And million-dollar question with Phoenix is, well, Got a ton of talent, a ton of pieces, but not a whole lot of time spent together. So, how much, uh, you know, how much continuity uh, will they have with this big three? We haven't seen uh, a piece as valuable as as talented as Kevin Durant does ship midseason. It just doesn't. It's just not a regularity. So here we are now, Phoenix uh, in the Clippers. Yeah, and full disclosure for anybody listening, I I grew up as a Clippers fan, so you can take the analysis if you'd like uh, with a grain of salt. But I think let's get the positives out of the way for Phoenix because you mentioned it. Durant on the floor for the Suns. They outscored their opponents by 11.6 points every 100 possessions. It's an extremely good net rating. Durant with Devin Booker on his side, that's a plus 18.4 net rating and an offensive rating of 124.7. Those are all really elite numbers. So you totally understand why anybody would be very high on the Phoenix Suns. Kevin Durant is an elite scorer. Devin Booker is an elite scorer score and those two together would create a lot of problems however you mentioned I think one of the biggest caveats here a grand total of eight games or 547 possessions with Kevin Durant on the floor for the Phoenix Suns that's not a very large sample size and so while I think Jimmy that I would not fault anybody for thinking that Phoenix is a very good team my quibble is with the degree to which the market has placed them on such a short sample size in terms of their return and you also analyze their opponents eight games again with Kevin Durant Three teams only made the play-in round, Chicago, Minnesota, Oklahoma City. The other three didn't make it into the top 10 of their respective conferences. And the last two were the Denver Nuggets, both games in which Nikola Jokic did not play, and one of them is when uh, Denver decided to rest everybody else. So it's a small sample size, and it's a small sample size against lesser competition. So again, kind of just creating some noise on the elite level of some of these numbers that Phoenix is putting out there. But for me, it's just about the, I think, the market, Jim, like kind of shorting the Clippers. And I get it. Paul George is not going to be available at the beginning of this series. But very quietly, the Clippers have kind of started to put things together. Since the beginning of January, they have struggled defensively. But if you look at these offensive numbers for them, when you talk about now Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard on the floor together with a, uh, I think I've got this at a plus 8.7 net rating, their new starting lineup, because they've ejected Marcus Morris from the starting lineup, Russell Westbrook, Eric Gordon, Nick Batum, Avicii Zubac, and Kawhi Leonard, a plus 15.5 per 100 possessions, an offensive rating of 130.1. The Clippers are really starting to kind of figure this thing out, and I also think they have a deeper bench than the Phoenix Suns do. When you look at Terrence Mann, who at one point was their starting point guard, when he's on the floor by himself you know no Kawhi Leonard not just him one on five uh, but no Kawhi Leonard right no uh, Russell Westbrook we're talking about a net rating for the Los Angeles Clippers by five plus 5.6 so like there's a lot of really positive things that have started to work and come out here for the Los Angeles Clippers and to come back to what they've been struggling with defensively one of the biggest issues for them Jimmy has been speed guards who can attack off the dribble and get to within four feet of the basket since the start of January opponents have taken 33.5 percent of their attempts at the rim against the Clippers they shoot nearly 68 percent on those shots problem with that Phoenix doesn't do that Phoenix is a jump shooting team they take over 75 percent of their attempts in some form or fashion whether it be a mid-range jump shot or a three-point jump shot so I put all of these things together and I would say that the Clippers are just more live in this series than the market gives them credit for so again 
Small bet on the Clippers to win the series. We're talking about like a quarter unit or a half unit, if you want to go there, mm-hmm. on the Clippers to win the series. But the bigger bet for me is to go, as you mentioned, plus two and a half games here at a really cheap price at minus 125. You can also get plus one and a half at a very solid plus price two in the range of plus 130. But I think that this Clippers team is going to be really live, and you hit it at the top. To lose this, the Clippers got to lose this thing in five games or get swept. And I just don't think that's going to happen. So at a cheap price at minus 125 for an undervalued Clippers team that, by the way, might get their second best player back pretty early in this series. I think that's a really good bet to make before this series begins. Clippers plus two and a half at Bet Rivers. Two and a half games is at minus 150 right now as well. So, all right, you, uh, I, I sent you a little bit higher on Philadelphia. Philadelphia in the game yeah. one on Saturday is eight to 16 and a half over the Nets. Uh, why this year? Why is this year different from the previous years with these Philadelphia 76ers in the postseason? So I think this one would be, first off, it's it's a little bit more time with James Harden, right? You're not a team that was constructed right before or right after the trade deadline. And then, of course, you go on with a little bit of a shorter sample size in terms of the acquisition. And you get into the postseason. Joel Embiid suffers kind of a freak injury. Remember, was it an elbow he took to the face uh, in that Toronto series? And they ultimately lose to Miami. So you get more time to kind of build this. This team is also constructed a little bit differently. De'Anthony Melton is now coming off of the bench for them. It's a really good defensive guard. Also has some two-way aspect to his game. So that's really going to help in that backcourt. And overall, the roster is just a little bit deeper than what they were a season ago. Getting rid of Matisse Thibel, bringing in better wing defenders who can space the floor a little bit more consistently. So I like the construction of this team too. And I think for this matchup too, Jimmy against Brooklyn, this is more just about a mismatch than anything else. Again, going back to what we talked about with how you handicap these series, you like who's going to guard Joel Embiid? Because Nick Claxton is a fine defensive center and he's going to get some defensive player of the year votes probably at the tail end of some people's ballots. However, he gives up 65 pounds to Joel Embiid. Like, that's not a matchup in which the Brooklyn Nets can really handle defensively. And they're going to, if you go back, they played on February 11th. You watch that game. Brooklyn's Brooklyn's plan was, all right, we're just going to send double teams to Joel Embiid. Well, Embiid kicked it out to open shooters. Philadelphia hit their shots. Oh, and Embiid still got his, got to the free throw line 13 times, drawing fouls on lesser defenders too. I, I just think in this series against Brooklyn, it's a really big mismatch. But I think overall, to your point, I think Philadelphia is just set up a little bit better. Joel Embiid and James Harden are awesome. The fact that Tyrese Maxey is now back in the starting lineup to provide more scoring punch at the sacrifice of defense has really, really increased the uh, threshold of this offense since the start of March when Maxey reinserted in the starting lineup. They lead the league in offensive rating since that day. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about Philly, and there's a lot different about Philadelphia this year than in years past. So I think it's a good matchup for them against Brooklyn, but I think overall there's just a higher ceiling for them offensively in the big picture, you know? All right, the other uh, series that starts in the East that is set right now. And, well, this looks like it's going to be a good one, man. The Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. and the New York Knicks. Uh, game one line is six and two fourteen and a half right now at uh, Bet Rivers. And um, Cleveland, fourth choice at 14 to one uh, for Bet Rivers. A, a lot of respect uh, given to the Cleveland Cavaliers with this kind of new group going into the postseason. Yeah, and I, I think they got their hands full here in this first round. I've kind of been surprised. Uh, just kind of gauging like media sense, right, of basketball writers and and, and uh, pundits about this series and the market itself, uh, kind of chalking this one up to the Cleveland Cavaliers and kind of moving on to see what that next round is going to be about. And look, I get it. Julius Randle has a question as to whether or not he is going to be available here for the New York Knicks, right? He's got that issue with his ankle. He got out of his walking boot the other day. So he's going to be reevaluated in the next few days. We'll see if he's going to be available for this series. And how you bet this is really dependent on what Randall's status is going to be, Jimmy. But I think overall, 
One of the things that bothers you about Cleveland, and by the way, they're not perfectly healthy either. Remember, Jared Allen missed seven of the last 12 games with a groin issue. Isaac Okoro missed the last five with a knee issue. And Okoro is the big piece there, not outside, not bigger than Jared Allen, but he's their wing defender. He's their guy who takes on the best perimeter matchup offensively. If he's not going to be available, Changes a lot of things for Cleveland's backcourt in terms of what they're going to do defensively. But if Randall's going to be available, I think this series is going to be a pretty live one and a one that goes pretty deep. The Knicks have six guys, Jimmy, who score 10 or more points in this series. The Cleveland Cavaliers have four. There's just so much more depth to what the Knicks want to do here. Their bench with Emmanuel Quickly and Josh Hart is so much better than with the bench that Cleveland's going to bring out there. I think the way to attack this, again, this is dependent on if Randall's going to be out there, but to get one and a half games with the Knicks, at minus 130, if Randall's going to be available, I think the Knicks are going to be pretty live. And I've been very surprised. I think part of it, the market, is the fact that Randall's status is unknown. But if he's going to be out there and there's going to be no real adjustment, I think there's some value in looking at the New York Knicks here to win the series outright, but more specifically, to take them plus one and a half games. Plus one and a half games, minus 134 right now at uh, Bet Rivers. Uh, so, JVT, uh, give it out uh, some series angles, not just the prices on uh, it, but, uh, you know, plus games, minus games, uh, plus prices and minus prices uh, as well. JVT, if I had to ask you, though, no odds, you know, just everybody straight up, who would you pick uh, coming out of the East and the West? I, so, right now, I think I'll probably go with. I'm a pretty stubborn guy, so my preseason picks were Clippers and 76ers, and I, I'll just stick with that. Why not? Clippers and 76ers. Okay. Obviously, they have higher mountains to climb than any of these others. I do rate the Bucks as the best team in the Eastern Conference, Jimmy, so I think you know if you were to really twist my arm, I'd say the Bucks. But uh, the, my preseason selections were Clippers, 76ers. Both of those teams are still alive, so uh, I'll stick with those and be a little stubborn with that. 76ers, this is their year, huh? Yeah. We'll, we, we, will, we will see. Uh, Embiid has uh, been phenomenal. Um, he, he, all indications lead that he will get that MVP once he was first closed, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, some, you know, Jokic uh, voter fatigue or not. I mean, it's just that straw poll kind of indicated that, uh, well, he's uh, probably going to get that one. So lots of fun stuff. We're going to be doing this all throughout the NBA postseason. It does go for a while, but uh, Jonathan Von Tobel uh, as uh, in-depth as any uh, in the NBA. For Jonathan Von Tobel from Beeson, I'm Jimmy Odd here at the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.